What are the latest developments with the national sale? Is it going to get done? Will it not get done? What is going to happen with this team? I'm going to tell you all about those updates right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Clare, and I have taken my passion for Nationals baseball in the podcast form here with the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day. So this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And as I was plugging earlier, the Nationals ownership situation, let's take you back two months ago, or actually three months ago, three to four months ago. You're sitting there around October. You're thinking the Nationals were going to be going into winter and we were going to come out with new ownership. We sit here today, February 3rd, 2023, the third day of February, and we do not have a solution to the problem that we had coming into the offseason, and it is looking like there will not be a solution anytime soon. Barry Fluga with the Washington Post wrote an article the other day on this at January 31st, and guys, the headline to this article is the national sale remains a mess with no end in sight. Along with talk Nats on this, Barry Svaluga has been step in step with this whole process. He's been one of the main newsbreakers as far as this goes with my guy over at Talk Nats. Now, with this being said, I read the article and ultimately there's no new news in this, but the speculation of what is happening with this sale is still bright. And it is still shining. So what is going on with this? Well, in that piece that Barry wrote for the Washington Post, he'll say it here. It's frustrating. So what has to change for ownership to change? You know the answer. Say it all together now. Masson. It is Masson that is holding back this deal. And if you know, if you're in the loop on this, Bally Sports, one of the new... uh, at one point, brighter media points in the MLB, taking over plenty of markets across the big leagues like St. Louis, Atlanta, and others as well in that. I believe San Diego is in that. So some pretty big markets are with Bally Sports. Well, Bally Sports seems to be going bankrupt at this point. I'm not going to be talking about Bally Sports. They have their own issues. Let's talk about Masson, the one that's in town here, the one that doesn't give a full pre- and post-game coverage to a real fair audience here in D.C., a top 10 bar- a market, whichever way you look at it. Baseball market, yep, top 10. Media market, top 10. It doesn't matter which way you look at it. This is one of the bigger markets in all of baseball, in all of the country, really. 
the nation's capital. And the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network is holding us back from what this sale could be. This sale could be done with. It could have been gone with the wind. But we're sitting here and it's still an issue till this day. So what will need to change? What will need to happen in order for this sale to go through? Well, the MLB has stepped in. They have stepped in, and we have known that now for about two months. But obviously, from this article, it seems to be that there is no progress in sight. Because the Nationals made this deal with the Angelos family back in 2004 when they agreed to be moving to Washington, D.C. And this is an issue. Because Masson, we could be locked up in this deal for a long, long time. And ultimately, I'm not the lawyer here that's going to decide what they can and can't do. I'm the messenger. I see the information and I discuss that information. So I don't know if we even can get out of this mess at this point without some crazy million, multi-million dollar lawsuit that the learners would have to go through. Because they're not going to get the price, what they want for this team, as far as Masson is still an issue, which it is a still big, big, big issue today. So we sit here, and you might ask yourself, Well, what does this mean for me, the fan, you and I? Well, the low-budget Nationals, the team that's not very good right now, the TV product that's not that great either, in-game broadcast with Bob Carpenter and Kevin Franson, I still love those guys. Nothing against them, and nothing to the people that work there that do beat writing stuff. They're all great. This is not a shot at them. This is at the suits at the top of the level. But the product that they put out is not a quality product. Not the writing. Not the play-by-play. Not the color commentating by Franny. It's not that. It's the budget. It's the the cheap spending on a pre- and a post-game show. People used to forget. Home games, there used to be a set where Dan Colco and Bo Porter used to sit at for 81 games a year at the home games, and they would be there for the fans, and you'd be able to watch and see a whole crew there, and it was a big deal. We no longer have that. A lot of markets got that back after COVID, and a lot of big markets in particular. Well, we don't get that now. We get a Bob Carpenter and a Kevin Franson postgame show with a little bit of Dan Colco sprinkling in, and that's just not okay for a big market team. So you're starting to see the ramifications from Masson just being cheap. And it starts at the top with the Angelos family, the owner of the Baltimore Orioles. Obviously, they aren't going to spend the money to make that a quality network. You see it with the Orioles broadcast. It's not that good. Just like the Nationals one. So yeah, regional sports networks as a whole right now is not doing so well. But you can single out Masson because they are the ones that is holding back the national sale. And I can say that with no background in law. It's clear and it's evident. This Masson deal is holding back the Nationals from what they want to do. And as a fan, you and I, we're the ones who are getting absolutely nothing out of this. We are the ones that getting are getting hurt by it. The ones who consume their product. The ones who watch the games. The ones that put money into the owner's pockets. 
So, yes, we are the ones right now that, hey, we're in trouble. It stinks. We're getting a product that should be a lot better, not only on the field, but off the field. When you're watching at home, when you're watching on TV, it doesn't matter. This product that we're getting is a tough, tough, tough look by whatever way you look or think about this. So ultimately, what can the learners do from here on out? Well, they have a couple different options, and they're still on the table. They could sell the team outright, which at this point seems way less likely than it did a few months ago. They could sell a share of the team to maybe someone like Ted Leonsis, Dave Rubenstein. That is still open for consideration and ultimately seems like the likeliest outcome of the Nationals' ownership. Three, they stand put and they don't sell a thing, which would be the worst possible outcome because it looks like right now we have lame duck ownership. So, yeah, that is where we stand here right now with the ownership, with what we can expect moving forward. Because you saw this team. It looks like this is obviously speculation, but it seems like we're operating on a 10 to $15 million budget, which is not good for a top 10 market. And it seems to be like there is a real cash flow issue as far as the TV rights go, because you know in other markets, they bring in the cash when it comes to TV deals. And the Nationals just simply are not doing that with this Mid-Atlantic Sports Network deal. And it hurts not just them, it hurts you and I as well. The casual fan, not even the casual fan, any fan of this team that takes in their product, that puts time out of their day to watch this team, it's hurting you and I. So ultimately, what do I think will happen with this deal? I think the learners end up selling a minority stake of this team. Someone like Ted Leonsis, maybe. Who ultimately knows? But also, there could just be no sale at all. And they could be fighting this out for another decade. No one really knows what will happen with this. And that is the unfortunate thing. That part is the one that kills me the most. So next, I do want to get into Keith Law. You know him from The Athletic. He made his MLB farm system rankings, and he had the Nationals pretty high up on that list. But is it not high enough? I'm going to get into all of that and more. But before that, I'm going to tell you about my friends over at FanDuel. We're really excited about the new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, and that is FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features in making betting on sports fun and easy. Download download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel hosts lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And the Super Bowl is coming up in about nine days from now. And I am already scouting what I want to bet. I'm going to take the Eagles on the money line and take an A.J. Brown anytime touchdown score. It's that easy. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. The FanDuel Sportsback. A sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. 
Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And now we get into Keith Laws. Keith Law. You may know him. You may have heard of him. And you may not like Keith Law. A lot of people have some loud opinions on that. I'm not going to say any of that today. I'm not going to do any of that. So on February 2nd, yesterday, he came out with his MLB prospect rank or his MLB farm system rankings, rather. And he had your Washington Nationals at 11th trailing only the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Rangers, the Pirates, the Rays, the Diamondbacks, the Orioles, the Guardians, and the Dodgers. He had the Dodgers at number one there, just so you guys know, a team that is consistently picking in the back little portion of the first round of the draft. Yes, they have a lot of money to spend, but they still have to find the talent, and they have to develop that talent. Well, they are sitting at number one for what seems like the 10th year in a row. That's what the Dodgers do. But now to the Nationals for the 11th overall team. And this is a solid point because the Nationals last year are actually entering even 2022 or in 2021, it was even worse. We were dead last across all of baseball. We had no hope as far as prospects go. We weren't developing well. We missed on first round picks. We missed on international signing drafts. And that was what ultimately was the downfall of the Nationals because we couldn't develop the guys that we got. We juiced the bull, or not the bullpen. We juiced the farm system in order to win right then and there. So now, fast forward about two years from now, when we were that dead last team, we now enter 11th. And this is what Keith Law had to say. What a difference a year makes. The Juan Soto trade added three of their top six prospects, and they added one of the highest ceiling guys in the 2022 draft class in Elijah Green. This was the worst system a year ago and had been near the bottom for a while for a bunch of reasons, from draft misses to some on the international side after Soto, who makes up for a lot of the other guys, to trades while the team was still contending. Exactly what I said. You had to make trades in order to win now. That's the business of baseball. You have to trade away some prospects to get your team better now. It happens. That's what happens, and that's the tax of winning baseball games, is that you're going to have to spend, you're going to have to trade some prospects, and ultimately just to make your team better. That's the business of baseball. So now we fast forward about a year, and we're the number 11 team as far as prospects go. And this just further adds as to why that Juan Soto deal was a must for this team. And I know some people are like, well, I'm tired of hearing that. It's Juan Soto. How can you trade Juan Soto? Well, guys, you've seen it. Do we really expect Juan Soto to sign here long-term? From what we know of the past, of what we know of everything with this team, we can't say that and be like, yeah, I can confidently say Juan Soto would resign. In fact, I would way more confidently say that he was going to be walking. One, if we did not trade Juan Soto, this farm system would have taken a couple more years to rebuild it completely. Yes, we could have spent more money and brought guys in. 
but that wouldn't have fixed everything. And ultimately, with those guys, what would they have fixed? Because we still had a little bit of a higher payroll going into last year. Now it's even lower, and it's only going to get lower from here on out, it seems like. So in order to build, in order to win, you still need to develop guys. You need to have guys come up and fill those roles for the stars that you have put your money into. And the Nationals just haven't done that well over the last decade. Yes, we've had guys like Rendon, Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, all those guys that we have developed that we discussed over the last week's show have made a difference. But those guys are all gone now. So we need that new core in our farm system again. And this is what the Nationals are doing currently. And making that Soto trade jump that process by about three years. That's why it was necessary. You don't want to see losing baseball. You don't want to see an eight-year rebuild just like the Baltimore Orioles did. You want to see an impactful farm system that could be helping your guys over the next six to seven years. And that's what the Nationals just did this last year by trading Juan Soto. It's not the easy decision. Yes, if you could have re-signed Juan Soto, then you should have re-signed Juan Soto. They made the best offer that they possibly could for him at the deadline, and he declined it. So now it was time to move on because his price tag was at the highest that it had would have ever been at this past deadline. If you waited an offseason, you could have lost one to two prospects off that deal. Because what's more valuable? Three postseasons with Juan Soto or only two? I'll take three. So that's why they decided to make that deal right then and there. And it makes sense. This is a team to where we needed this deal to happen in order to improve the farm system. The reason why the Dodgers are so good is, yes, they do spend money, but also they're number one as far as prospects go. They have a ton of top 100 guys yet again. They develop. They spend money, they do analytics, and they're great at analytics. Just look at the development that they've had and all the help that they have had throughout the years and years and years of just being the Los Angeles Dodgers. They do this thing well. So that's how I want to build. I want to build up the farm system. I want to build up a major league development system to where we know we can confidently say when we take a first-round pick, He's going to be helping us at the major league level at some, at some point. It doesn't matter where you pick. Like a lot of people are like, well, is Carter Keboom that big of a bust? He was like a 16th overall pick. Yes. First round picks, you should be able to hit on all of those. And I know baseball is a little trickier when it comes to the draft. But you should have a guy or two at least in every draft that has some sort of impact on your major league roster at some point in their career. And the Nationals just haven't been able to do that over the years. So seeing us sitting here at number 11 in Keith Law, and Keith Law is a very knowledgeable baseball person. Yes, he's got some hot takes that some people don't like. But then again, I'm not going to knock his knowledge of the game. He knows it. But as we sit here today at number 11 on his rankings, it shows that we have grown. We have developed. And it has been a quick, fast jump and that also alludes to the Juan Soto trade and what that did for the system because if we didn't make that trade we'd probably be sitting in the middle or maybe even the back of the pack that's what I truly believe 
So the Nationals had to make that deal. That's why we're sitting here at number 11, and it's only going to rise when we have the number two overall pick in this year's draft. And that player will come with a major impact swing if it could be Chase Dollander, the right-handed pitcher from the University of Tennessee, or Dylan Cruz from LSU, the outfielder who seems to have five tools. All of that. That's what the Nationals need. If they get one of those two guys, well, graduate us in the top 10 easily. We could be as high as eight when it's all said and done. And just look at it from this perspective. Sitting behind us, you got teams like the Rockies, the Reds, you got the Marlins, the Mets, the Royals, the Blue Jays, the Giants, the Twins, the Mariners. All those teams, or some of them, a handful of them, have been bad for a while now. And the Nationals have jumped that. That's where we need to be. Because if you see that, like for the Royals, for instance, after winning the World Series back in 2015, they're now sitting 16th in all of baseball in this ranking. 16th for a team that won the World Series in 2015, ripped it apart, had not spent. They have a lot of guys up in the majors already, but ultimately they aren't making that big of a difference, as you can tell. So that is why the Nationals needed to rip down that team, and they did the right decision for that. But now I'm going to project how long this rebuild could potentially take, and this is just me taking a stab at it because I don't have a magic eight ball, but I also have a nice little thought of how this rebuild could play out. So thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. Now give Locked On MLB prospects a listen as my guy, Lindsey Crosby, who is a prospect encyclopedia, he goes deep on all the MLB stars of tomorrow. And that pod is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And now we get back into what I think will happen in this Nationals rebuild. I truly do not believe that this rebuild will last more than another three seasons. And I have kind of added time to what I truly thought this team would do. And ultimately with guys like Brady House, Christian Vaccaro, Elijah Green, James Wood, Robert Hassel, all these guys that could pan out and that could make the majors jump in about two to three years, this could speed up the process tremendously. And what what we decided to do at number two overall this upcoming draft, that'll also kind of put into question with what we do. Because ultimately, the two guys that are sitting at the top of the draft, they are two college guys that will be a little quicker in the farm system. They won't have that much time to develop in the minor leagues. They're going to be 20, 21 years old, 22, in that age frame. So they're not going to have that much time to develop in the minor leagues, which makes it quicker for them to get to the major leagues and to make an impact in the major leagues. And that is a big focal point for what we want to see as fans. And that is a good thing, ultimately. I've said ultimately a lot. Sorry. But have those two guys sitting at the top there is a big thing. It's going to speed up the process for with what we decide to do in the future. And I don't think we won't spend this low amount of money for a long time now. I don't think it's going to be something to where 
we're talking about this every single day. I think it'll be something to where it'll speed up. We'll start to spend more and more as time goes on. And if we figure out this mass and mess, then that's going to open up the floodgates to spend so much more. And maybe we even sell the team, get new ownership. Maybe they have new aggressive nature for how they want to spend. So there's a lot of different outcomes for what could happen in this rebuild, but I don't see it lasting longer than about three more years. And that could be a little bullish, but I don't see it. I don't think it's going to last as long as you and I once thought it would. But also, you have to see development. You have to see the development from the minor leaguers, have them get up in the majors and make an impact and make a jump up to the major leagues to help us start to win that game and get over that hump and eventually win the World Series because that is the goal. So thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On MLB Prospects, who is hosted by Lindsey Crosby, the Prospect Encyclopedia. I will talk to you guys on another day. Baseball season is inching closer and closer.